detective. Thrill me. Thanks for joining us again and happy new year. Jared, thank Christ we got through 2020 because it was a prick of a year. We're going to start with something decent in the new year. So we're going to start with 2010's Unstoppable. But before we get to that, Jared, what have you been watching? Have you seen anything in the last few days? I have. So I kicked off with Jingle All The Way. That was the last Christmas <laughs> movie I watched. <laughs> Look, I couldn't help it. It's the, you know, the Christmas uh, season's not complete without, without Arnie punching a reindeer. Look, it is kind of, it's fucking batshit crazy, but it's entertaining. Yeah, well, I watched it with my son. And the scene where Arnie gets in a blue with the um, the fucking crooked group of Santas led by Jim Belushi, piss funny. I mean, we were both <laughs> laughing like fucking idiots. <laughs> so, yeah, look, it was it was uh, fun enough to go back to again. I watched Stand by Me after our Stephen ah. King discussion. I chucked it on and had another look at it. Yeah, so good. I'm keen to go back Quite and read fun. the read the story again too. Now I I have lost my copy of. Uh, Different seasons, but I'll have to uh, maybe pick up another one and have another read of that and, and Shawshank Redemption. Well, if you pick up an extra copy, that's, you know, Stephen will be very, he, he will thank well, you, you know, for the extra he money. He needs the money. Pocket. I won't buy it secondhand. I'll make sure he gets the cash out of it. <laughs> I, I, I see it as sort of a charity, you know, my, you know, looking after the people that need it. So, um, so getting on to Shudder, not to, not to yeah. kick them for once, I'm going to give them a bit of credit and talk about what. I actually do like about it. As I said to you, Adam, there, me signing up for them was I felt they had a two-pronged attack. They were going to give me, you know, niche stuff from their own making and they were going to mm. pick up some oldies and, and some, you know, some classic slashes and, and some underseen stuff that we could we could dig into. The one thing they they're, – they're, they're poking me with a spear at the moment. There's only one prong mm. and it's, it's the original stuff. So I checked out the Pale Door. As I oh, heard, yes. it was, I was, I heard that was That's a West bad. horror western, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty solid. Like the story was was fairly. You kind of knew what was what was going on, but it was it, it had some very creepy sort of moments. Again, it suffers a little bit from you can see a lack of a lack of money in some parts, but I felt they did mm. pretty well overall. They hit a few sort of emotional moments in there, which 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 was pretty good. So yeah, I would say I would I would say to check it out. Right. Okay. And the last one, just which on I've, that though, I think their their single prong seems to be firmly ensconced in my asshole because <laughs> I haven't been near the fucking thing for about three weeks. Yeah, look, <laughs> but you know they ha- they have dropped a couple. They've dropped that one about uh, there's something. What is it? There's something about Jacob or whatever it's called. Um, the yeah. possession one, which I've heard is fairly good. You know, I jumped on things like Spiral pretty quickly. Obviously, the creep show stuff is is. I've well, been really enjoying it. On. So yeah, just to, you know, a few more of those movies dropping, which is nice to see, and hopefully there's a bit more of that to come. I think we're going to get something like, as far as I'm aware, I think Psycho Goreman is dropping on there, which looks pretty pretty funny. So even when it wasn't a good one, like um, Random Acts of Violence, which I fucking hated, I was going to watch that where I could get it. So the fact that Shutter gave it to us is sort of you know. I'm happy enough with yeah. that stuff coming through. Uh, we just need them to ramp up and pick up some of the old slashes and some of these underseen things and some. Um, they seem to be dropping a couple of foreign ones on there, which is good. But again, we just need a bit more of it. Yeah. 
And the last one I watched, which I've given you a fair old rundown on anyway, is Wonder Woman 84. Got into the cinema and checked out. Actually, I saw the Croods with the kids too, which was, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I actually thought that was all right. I had a good time with that one. Uh, Wonder oh, yeah. Woman 84, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a good time with that. So it's not um, good. It's not good. No, yeah, You're firmly in the not good camp. I'm firmly in the not good camp. I mean, one of my mates brought it up with a post on, on social media about, you know, he, he was fucking very displeased that they kick off with a bit of Wonder Woman, but then we don't see her again in the in the Wonder Woman costume for about an hour and 15 minutes. And I'm like, fuck, we should be in the third act by now. <laughs> yeah. we, we still had an hour to go by then. So, I mean, two and a half hours for, for the type of movie that you produced is fucking criminal. I was fuming to be sitting there for two and a half <laughs> hours by the end of it. Um, but it's just it's just confused. I mean, I thought DC had found found where they wanted to be. I really loved Birds of Prey. I know a lot of people didn't like that, but I loved Birds of Prey, and I thought Shazam was excellent too. And there was a lot of fun, and they were stories that were just contained in the group. But this one seems to be – I described it to you as the cinematic equivalent of watching Gal Gadot seeing that fucking – Imagine stuff on YouTube with a bunch of bozos that she cobbled together. Like, by the end of it, it seems to be trying to be some fucking grand statement on humanity, and I just didn't. That's I don't know. I just didn't like it. I told you what I was happy with. I I was pretty happy with um with Kristen Wiig when she was when she was sort of evolving into Cheetah and. Uh, I felt she did a decent job, but there wasn't enough cheetah. And um, I mentioned to you very early on, I was getting Jamie Fox electro vibes when she <laughs> before she'd kind of, you know, started Shit. to started to turn into where she was going. And Pedro Pascal is entertaining to watch, but I mean, he's it's just a he is mugging and hamming from the get go, and it's. Uh, obviously, that character is, is a bit of bit of you know a commentary on a particular political figure that we you know we're all well aware of. But I don't know; it just gets fucking lost. It's just are these store are these superhero movies? Because I haven't watched one in a while, right? I'm not going to be. I'm not going to say that I'm a you know well versed in superhero sort of stuff. But are they now pushing too far into trying to make? something more rather than being entertaining in the first instance because um, it's not it's not it's not the first time this sort of shit's come up certainly about um stuff by DC more than Marvel I think Marvel's got a much better handle upon being able to add some statement to a film that's entertaining I think DC's still caught a little bit in they can't let go of 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 the dark knight and batman begins and they have to go a little bit gritty, and I think that's going to work for certain things. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you that I'm not fucking absolutely frothing for um, the Batman because once that trailer hit, I was absolutely just wrapped up in it, and I think it's going to work for that. But I just, I don't know. Wonder Woman, the first one, found found that pocket. You know, even though it was set amongst the wars and whatever, it still had this small group that was the the, the driving the story, and it was all about them. This one just gets lost. Yeah. It just gets lost too much in in trying to fucking. I mean, we're flying. I, mean, to, I think we've talked about this to, before, but it's... we're flying to Cairo, and then fucking politics comes into it, and just like that. No, it's not what I'm here for. I think that. We've talked about this before, but DC doesn't seem to understand the light and the dark, you know, like yeah, Batman but this is, is the, dark. This is what I'm telling you. They, like Birds of Prey and Shazam did. 
Like yeah. Birds of Prey had a little bit of that greediness to particularly, you know, it was violent and whatever, but they were going for the laughs with Harley Quinn and they really found it. Shazam is, Shazam's excellent. Yeah, if you haven't watched more, one in a while, you need to watch Shazam. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a sort of a, a good entertaining, fun romp, isn't it? Yeah. Shazam. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it, mm. it just, I, I really enjoyed that one. I felt the story focusing on the little family and the the kid trying to kind of integrate into this family was was. I loved and the, it. the whole the whole thing with Superman that they've done, like they've kind of fucked Superman up. Yeah, that's right. And he's meant to be that light well, lighter. They've been style. working on that for a, a few pictures now. Like, I, I didn't hate Man of Steel, but I already started to have some problems when we had to wave Kevin Costner off. I was I was looking forward to films worth of Kevin Costner as, as Park. Yeah, we had to kill fucking Kevin Costner. <laughs> and then the bloke had to be working on fucking Deadliest Cash. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just sitting there, what the fuck's going on? He's working on an oil rig for Christ's sake. He's Superman. He does not work nine to five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you know, when 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 you go gritty and Superman's brooding and grows a beard, people start asking questions about how Superman <laughs> shaves and shit like that. We don't need that. <laughs> we don't want to ask those questions. <laughs> Do you know what? I actually think Superman Returns got got it more right than those ones, and it yeah. wasn't great. Yeah, it screwed some things up, but again, I found things in there that were a bit more enjoyable. And the Superman they were going for was far more what they should have been going for with the yeah. more recent. Stuff, but in Superman, the first hour of Superman Returns, I really loved. I actually f- it felt like Superman the movie. Yeah, a little you know, bit. in tone and shit, it had it had that that going for it. It went tits up at the end, and I believe it was <laughs> fucking two and a half hours too. So, oh, shit. <laughs> of course, and like you, I was fucking, I was fuming. Yeah, for two and a half hours, but. It had more going for it than Man of Steel and Batman and Superman and yeah, all of these ones they seem to have taken Superman and kind of fucked him over. I mean, this yeah. is, we're not saying anything that no most other people aren't saying, you know. No, and I felt like I thought DC made a really good call to to start to branch off and do stuff like Joker, which was a one off. And uh, you know, I didn't I didn't love Joker. I had some, I still got some problems with it, but I'm I'm much more. Open to just just tell your story. Try not to tie mm. into some of this shit. But yeah, I was I was not pleased with with Wonder Woman eighty four. Look, rule of thumb: if you're a superhero film and you're walking into pitch, if I'm if I'm producing it, if I'm if I'm in charge, and you say two and a half hours, I say ah ah, I'll stop you there. Unless you are unless we are twenty films into a fucking successful. You know, Marvel Universe esque setup. Yeah. We're not going there. We're not going to two and a half hours. Yeah, agreed. Like, it, for me, you, if you, you can't tell me you can't pair this stuff back and tell an entertaining story with a little bit of depth in ninety minutes or a hundred yeah. minutes. Yep. I mean, so, when I saw when I saw the you know if I saw the cut of this movie and it was kind of as boring as it as it panned out, I'd have been fucking storming into the editing room and saying, cut, we need to cut some shit out of this because people are going to be not pleased to be in there for for two and a half hours. Yeah, I'd be taking that this boring room, like it's, Steven Seagal. It was, it was boring, unfortunately. So, yeah. yeah. Disappointing. Disappointing. Right, I didn't watch a lot. Oh, hang on. Um, I forgot one. 
before you get on there, I've, you know, we had to talk about this. I watched Dark Angel with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> oh, fucking love that movie. <laughs> love it. I do. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I think it's great fun. It's and cheesy as shit. I said this to you the other night. Lundgren was a hair off being an A-lister. He just needed, uh, you know, the, a couple of things to go his way or at least being a Seagal, you yeah. know. He just needed period, to find his way was into successful. He needed to find his way into one of the one of those movies that the other blokes did. He needed to find his way hmm. into a predator or something like that, and he never did, unfortunately. But funnily, and, you know, funny we mentioned we mentioned stuff like that. This alien character was doing things. I mean, obviously, when you watch it, you're looking at it going, "They've taken hefty cues from Terminator and Predator." But yeah. the, the 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 stuff the Dark Angel, you know, the 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 aliens in that do. They actually use a bit of predator and and predator gear and do a bit of running before yeah. we saw some of that stuff from the Terminator. Funnily enough, yes. I mean, have a look at that disc. That disc, <laughs> if I remember correctly, that disc didn't come into it until Predator Two, right? Yes, it didn't. So it did not. I, I think you know Predator Two's been pinching things from Dark Angel and hasn't gotten. <laughs> they haven't got the credit for it. <laughs> Nobody's going to admit to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I might be on an island there. So. Yeah, yeah, but I love that movie. I think it's great fun. It's got a little bit of comedy. Look, Dolph's a little stiff, but he's solid. Like, yeah, I said this to you before. I would take a Lundgren picture over a Seagal movie any day of the week. Any yeah, day of well, the week. Seagal had Seagal probably had a couple more peaks because he had people find a couple of movies that that played to his skills. If you're looking at just, you know, the, if we're going on average, if we're looking at an average Seagal picture versus an average Lundgren, Lundgren picture, I'd probably go with you there. He's <laughs> a much yeah, more likeable presence, put it that way. Didn't you watch that Lundgren one that you said looked like it was shot in a fucking warehouse? Yeah, 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 I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he might have plumbed some deeper depths. Oh, he's plumbed some but, depths. Don't worry about that. But if we're, if we're talking the middle ground... If we're talking the middle ground, he's he's a much more likable, likable presence. presence. He's a he can put a performance in. I mean, Creed Two, for instance, his work in Creed Two is excellent. Like his older Ivan Drago is a really really good piece of work. Yeah, by him, he just needed like he could have he could have handled an under siege. Like an under siege would have worked with Lundgren in it. Yeah, and you know. As we said the other day, if you you know if Dolph's hosting Saturday Night Live, he's not he's not telling you how to try and write comedy like Stephen is. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jerry, <laughs> me, I would love to see some of those sketches. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they would have been unfunny, unfunny even with the best of writing. Yeah, I mean he's a humorless man. He is. He is. But I. Dark Angel, though, I love it. I just love that, that yeah, the one liner of I come in peace, you go in pieces. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Fucking That's brilliant. Right. And, it, it, you know, you knew it had to be a Craig Baxley movie when the aliens have guns that just result in anything that it hits fucking exploding <laughs> into flames. So I just thought this is what Craig's Bax- Craig Baxley has all, always dreamed of when he got to direct the picture. He's like, I need a gun that just blows things up. That's what I need. <laughs> Well, so what do you do? What's on the call sheet today, Craig? Explosions. <laughs> yeah. Where? Who cares? Everywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I 
I, I finished off Expendables 2. I said that obviously I'd watched half of it. Mm-hmm. Talk about fun. Like, that's that's what the series was aiming for. And they have a bit of a, a laugh with it and they don't take it themselves too seriously. Yeah. And, you know, that whole that whole sequence of Arnie and Bruce Willis driving around in a fucking smart car and <laughs> shooting people. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I love that shit. The only thing that's a little bit over the top is Van Damme, let's face it, he fucking whoops Stallone's ass in any in any fucking blue. Yeah, I think so. It, it, he whoops his ass. Yeah. And I do love that bit where he, he gives him the big spin kick and then he sort of says, over so quickly, you know, I want my money back. <laughs> I like that. But then, of course, you know, Barney gets up and fucking kicks his ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no, that's not happening. Who but- named him Barney? Was that Sylvester's <laughs> choice? <laughs> See, I mean, that's no Axel. Much- that's no Axel Cobretti. No, no, it's not. Was it? No, it was Marion Cobretti. Mar- sorry, Marion. I'm still. Th- I'm still. Yeah, I'm still thinking about the it fucking. Was, Axel original. Foley was. Supposed it was supposed to be, to be. Axel Cobretti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I'm just in my head, I'm just imagining that that picture. That you know, Beverly Hills cop. Beverly Hills Cobra. <laughs> yeah, look, my understanding of part three, and I as I haven't watched it in a while, is they just needed to not there was no need to bring in all this young fucking group. Because just just bring in Mel Gibson as your villain, bring in Harrison Ford and Antonio Banderas. And do the same fucking shit. Yeah, but it also, I just felt like it wasn't as fun, if I recall correctly. The fun was coming from Banderas, but we missed a bit yeah. of that Valaine and a bit of the, the, you know, the Dolph cracking gags and shit. So. Yeah. So I haven't watched three, but I'll get there. The only thing I watched in full, because for some reason I found myself watching Arnold Schwarzenegger's comeback movie, The Last Dead, yeah. before before we started recording, and I only got about halfway through it. Talk about middling Arnie. That Fuck. should have stalled the comeback right there. I think it did. It's not very good. He has not been a draw at the box office. I mean, who would expect he would be? He's in I his mean, 60s. But- look, it's no surprise that Arnie is now... You know, he's changed his tune on, on coming back for Predator movies and things like that. I think Arnie sees yeah. the writing on the wall and knows that's the only thing that's going to get people watching me anymore. But then again, mate, the bloke's getting fly kicked in the back and barely <laughs> barely flinching and he's like 70-something. I mean, if I'm, I, I'm not saying now, I'm, I'm not saying you know, I, I don't. I'm 44. I'm going there like a fucking sack of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I don't love the bloke, and I would see if he drops something in the cinemas, I'll go and see it. I mean, I watched fucking finding, uh, Chasing Gun- Gunter or whatever the fuck it was called. Um, <laughs> so you're the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about Arnie's, you know, he's it's a business, and if Arnie's not getting outside that core audience and, and putting up the big numbers, he's not getting to pick and choose his movies anymore. No. You saw Terminator Dark Fate, didn't you? I did, and I didn't mind it. Unfortunately, Arnie's character was the worst thing about it. His performance was pretty good, though, wasn't it? His performance was all right, but I just couldn't get past the fucking laughable reasoning for him being there. Yeah, true. I've heard about what that was. Yeah, fucking shit out. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking ridiculous. But the, the problem with The Last Stand is it's a middling sort of action movie, right? 
so it's not not particularly great. The idea is kind of okay, but it would have worked better with someone like I don't know Statham or something like that, a younger man, because there's a fucking fight he has on a if I remember correctly, and I haven't got to it the second time around. He has a fight with the main villain at the end on like the the border bridge. Yeah. Fucking lunacy. The bloke would have kicked his fucking ass. Like, <laughs> kicked his ass. But yeah. they kind of make out like Arnie's in the fight. And it's just bullshit. And like, you needed a younger bloke. i got a question for you. What was I doing on Stan watching the last <laughs> thing? No, I don't know. Because I was digging through Stan and looking at it and seeing all this. I mean, I watched Dark Angel and then I saw, ooh, the Joshua Tree. That'll be up next. Like... <laughs> So, I'm not. I'm not asking that question. I'm. I'm. I understand that. I can't be trusted, Jared. I shouldn't have these fucking things. <laughs> well, you're telling me a few minutes ago. I question why I still have Stan, and then you're sitting there watching that. So <laughs> that's why you still have it. But anyway, yeah. Is there room for Arnie in the Fast and the Furious somewhere? No. There's room. Look, no. No, no, see, you it's need not. to watch it because there's room for Kurt Russell. Yeah, I know, but Kurt Russell. He's this CIA guy pulling the strings puppet master guy, isn't he? Yeah. In that shit? Yeah. He's still got a mullet. We love <laughs> Kurt Russell. But we love um, Arnie too. Well, I love Arnie, but... I mean, I can Arnie... see Arnie mentoring, you know, The Rock. Arnie's what The Rock, you know, Arnie used to be what The Rock is and there's a bit of, you know, there's a bit of Hobbs and Shaw-like back and forth between Arnie and The Rock. I, I mean, I can't wait for it. It writes itself. Yeah, look, there's no room for Arnie. <laughs> Um, but there's room for fucking submarines. In there's room for mate. submarines in in a car movie. There's room Fuck for Arnie. <laughs> there is, but but they're going in a different direction. Like they're getting yeah, they're, in getting, they're going away from Vin Diesel. And that. They're, <laughs> they're trying go- to go away from Vin Diesel. Yeah, they're going to go. They're trying to go. They're trying to go unleaded. Trying to go unleaded, converting away from diesels. Yeah, they get fucking converted. Yeah, they're trying to go fucking hybrid. They're going electric, getting away from the bike. Yeah, well, Arnie loves electric. He's a man of you know. He believes in in climate change. So Arnie would be up for that. He'd drive Arnie an electric. Should just stick to making videos where he's fucking stroking his bloody donkeys or whatever called whiskey and fucking. Whatever it's called, that's 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 his lane now, mate. He can. No, nah, he, he needs to get back. He needs to get back to punching donkeys. That's that's what we need no, to say. No, 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 no. Look, but you know, he. Um, there used to be a uh, there used to be an age bracket on action heroes, right? Yeah. You know, you didn't have action heroes who were fucking seventy. <laughs> and I don't want to come back to the worst thing that that's ever been done in Gibbo uh, to Gibbo's life, which was Rambo Last Blood, but that is the major reason, oh well, not the major one, but it's one of many, but it's a huge reason why the film doesn't work. It's a fucking 70-year-old no. man. Look, no, I disagree. That Sly wasn't necessarily... Look, I'm not going to say Sly wasn't the problem because he's got his fingers in the writing and the directing and everything, but... No, no, he wasn't the problem, but the problem was, part of the problem was he couldn't do anything. Yeah, but... Couldn't have any punch-ups or anything. The guy's fucking... He throws a punch, he throws his arm out. Yeah, I know, but we still got away with it with Rambo because it was... Yeah, but he was 60. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he was fucking on HGH. Yeah, but he still is. He still is. He still... (laughs) No, but it doesn't work after a while. Uh, look, I'm putting it out there. That's that's where if if Arnie wants to do something, that's where he's got to go. He's got to he's got to be carried a little bit. 
Yeah, look, he can... See, Arnie's problem that Sly doesn't necessarily have is he can't... Arnie can't really play a mentor. No. Because his acting's not real good. So... Well, they, they play Sly's a mentor. Okay just play to a, do that. Just play a grizzled, silly old bastard that just can't let it go. Just, you know, art imitating life. So, <laughs> I just... Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was I was excited about what Arnie was doing with the Predator Hunting Grounds stuff because they yeah. they did a little bit of the Friday the 13th work there where Arnie comes in as old Arnie and you can find information about what Arnie's been doing, what Dutch has been doing, you know, since the first movie. But unfortunately, yeah. the game's fucking lost me, so I didn't find out too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Dutch has been up to. I just I know what he looks like. Just look like. it up on YouTube, mate. Somebody yeah, that's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just don't see too many avenues left for the bloke. Yeah, there's not a lot of avenues. And watching The Last Stand sort of said to me, and this was what? That was in 2000 and. Thirteen or something, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be in something else where he's not. I mean, if it's a predator movie, it's got to be a predator movie where Dutch is in there, but it's not a. It's not necessarily Dutch's movie anymore. No, well, it can't be Dutch's movie. That's why I'm suggesting something like The Fast and the Furious because it's it's a bit like The Expendables where you can find something for him in there where he might be able to get a little bit there and will get a bit of enjoyment out of it, but it's not carrying the same but old shit. But that was kind of... It's sneaking him into a big that, budget picture that's already got it all set up. It's a heist flick. Yeah, that's you know? kind of what they were doing with Expendable. Yeah. With him. Kind of keeping him as a sort of a side piece, a side project that, you know, as part of it he comes in, but he's not the main star. In the words of Rodney Roode, the guy doesn't break wind, he breaks <laughs> dust. So he's fucking yeah. 74 or something. Yeah. It, 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 it just doesn't translate well to the screen. Stallone no. also doesn't translate as well, but he's in better shape. He's been doing this for a long time. Oh, mate, um, they're both replacing shoulder joints and shit like that. They're, they've, you know, yeah. fucking peas I just think <laughs> Sly can step back and do a little bit of acting. Yeah. Arnie really can't, unfortunately. No. Which, yeah, which sucks because, you know, I love Arnie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other thing, the only actual thing I watched, and it turned out I'd actually watched it <laughs> previously, for some fucking reason I thought I hadn't, was a documentary on um, Netflix called The Innocent Man. Yep. The John Grisham novel, I think. Yes. Yeah. It was his only non-fiction yeah. Work, I think. About Ron somebody. Ron Williamson. Yes. But this one has, I think, I don't know whether the book has the same, but this one covers the ground of there's two murders in that same place within yeah, two well, years. My recollection is that it didn't, that the stuff yeah, towards mate, the end was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. But the thing that I just can't get over, because I'm about to... Uh, uh, at the end of the first episode, I was kind of like, yeah, I think I might have seen this. But I was hooked, pretty hooked again, so I just kind of went through it. The thing that gets me is, spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't watched it, but the the, the murder involving the, the, uh, the, the, the girl that was killed in her apartment, two people go down for that murder and are then cleared by DNA in 2000 and I don't know, it was in the late 90s, I think. So they cleared by DNA. They didn't do it. There's another murder still on the books two years later, prosecuted by the exact same group, 
and there are problems with that, surely you're fucking looking at it. Surely if you're the prosecutor and the DA and that, you're going, hmm, fuck, maybe we did make some mistakes. Maybe we should fucking look back on this. But they're, they're, once again, they're holding their ground, saying, oh, I haven't done anything wrong. Hmm. You have. You said that the fucking they stabbed this girl to death when they found her corpse. She'd been shot. Like, yeah. that, that is fucking 100% wrong. So that means their, their confessions aren't legitimate. Yeah. Is that not correct? Yeah. So you fucking look at it. <laughs> Every time we watch one of these, we're sitting there going, why are some people just steadfastly hanging on to that these are the people? We've got the people. <laughs> when yeah. Everything says, uh, no, it might not be him or her. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's baffling. I mean, the, the whole thing for the second crew, the second murder, it starts with we, 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 we give a statement that there were three of us and we took this girl and we, we, we took her off and we killed her. And one of the guys that they said did it, he, he, he's got a rock-solid alibi. And yet no one goes, okay, so these dickheads have, they've told us a story that involves three people and then one of them had a rock-solid alibi, couldn't have done it. Could it now mean that the uh, confession we just got out of him isn't really that good? <laughs> Yeah, nah. well, I don't know. Go ahead. It's, it's just, yeah, yeah, no, proceed as normal. Um, yeah, it's just ground that's covered. I mean, it just seems like, and and I don't know. I don't know whether this is just the US. It seems like it's it's big in, in the US that, that, that the, the policing was you just go for the conviction. You do a little bit of work to find the person, and obviously back when a lot of these were happening, the DNA or whatever wasn't a factor. So you do a little bit of the legwork, you zero in on a person, and then you just fucking hammer that person until they confess to something they didn't do. Yeah. Like, that's just what it seemed to be. Yeah. And, and look, you, you hear about right. some of them saying that's the technique. You know, you put heat on people. You keep them in a fucking – you keep them in, a, in an interrogation room for fucking 15 hours until they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're fucking – Pissing themselves on the chair and begging for some food that they'll confess to anything. Like, yeah, but um, you give them a polygraph test. It's 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 not admissible in court. But the moment that fucking reads, they may have lied. It's <laughs> we're good to go. Yeah, yeah. That it's, seems to be how it sort of operates. And you know, you know the, the the pendulum swung back because a lot of the you know the psychology and whatever has broken down that method of of putting someone away and said. No, this this is unreliable because people are you, you you're essentially torturing people until they they will say they did anything just to get out of the fucking room. Yeah, look, I'd say I'd suggest it happens in many other countries too. It's oh, look, I'm not well. saying it's just you know, but we seem to have a dearth of information on on the way that it was done in America, and it seems to always come down to similar policing techniques that that hammer these people that didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, it was it's an interesting documentary, and I'm looking forward to the um, as I said last week. I'm looking forward to the one about the Night Stalker. Yeah, well, that's the one I haven't next watched. Month, next month. I haven't watched the Ripper one because I'm a bit like you. I'm sort of uh, I got sort of fatigued by the consistent. I'd hold every week. There's, hold. They're dropping. They're dropping uh, true crime stuff. So when I saw the Ripper one, I was just like, eh. And then, but the Night Stalker ones. Holds a little bit of interest, so I think I'll I would check that hold one out. on the Ripper until you've seen the Night Stalker, and if you've got an itch to scratch, you've got something there, you know. Like if the Night Stalker one's really good, then you might feel, oh well, 
you know, yeah. this one's here as well. But yeah, the Ripper's nothing special. Put it yeah. that way. Yep. All right. That's everything for me. Let's take a break. And here's the trailer to 2010's Unstoppable. A little close to working together today. All right. This ain't training. In training, they just give you an ass. Out here, you get killed. Provo 6, there's an unmanned train on the northbound track. It's coming straight at us. That train's carrying toxic chemicals. We're talking about a missile the size of the Chrysler building. Right now, chase it down in reverse. Train that size going that speed, it'll vaporize anything in front of it. We have been told to anticipate an event radius of 45 miles. Nothing's wrong. Just tell your sister I love you both. We got a real chance to stop this thing. Pick up speed! Unstoppable from 2010, directed by Tony Scott, who gave us Top Gun. It's produced by Tony Scott, Eric McLeod, who produced Kong Skull Island, Mimi Rogers, the actress Mimi Rogers, who produced Tricks, and Julie Yorn, who produced Max Payne. It's written by Mark Bomback, who wrote Live Free or Die Hard. It stars Denzel Washington as Frank, Chris Pine as Will, and Rosario Dawson as Connie. The budget was $100 million. The box office was $167 million worldwide. And the trivia, the attempted train derailment was all filmed in one take. Hmm. All right, Jared, give us your thoughts, mate. I was pretty high on this when we saw it in cinemas. But in the ensuing time, I thought, was I just, were we just hard up for something to watch? And I've, I've overrated that because it's just sort of fallen by the wayside. Like, not a lot mm. of people sort of talk about it much anymore. Funnily enough, there was a Ringer article, what, two months ago, breaking down the 10 years since it had been released and how it's kind of actually a very, very good movie that's kind of just been forgotten almost. So going back to it, I had not watched it since we saw it in the cinemas. And I'm mm. pretty sure I saw it with you. I can't, I can't recall yes. exactly, but I'm pretty sure we went, <clears throat> went and watched it together. I hadn't watched it since. So there was a recollection in my mind that oh, perhaps I, was, I must have been overrating it because, I, I, you know, it's just, it's just dropped off. So going back to it was really good to, to see that, no, it's actually a really fucking good movie that a lot of people just haven't seen. So I think, I would, I think I'm going to go for four, to be honest. Four. It's just a, it's, it's a brisk little – it's not even really an action movie, but it plays like an action movie. It's kind of like a disaster film. Yeah, yeah. It just plays. It just plays like some of the, you know, some of the classic sort of action beats. And I think they're really smart in that they collect a couple of people together that aren't aren't anywhere near each other. They're all just in communication yes. by phones and and radios and whatnot. So they manage to get a bit of an action movie vibe to it by people trying to get involved in it. But it's different people going. I think the the big strength is obviously you got Denzel who can just make any character kind of just a bit deeper. It just seems to be, I don't know whether it's writing or whether he just gets involved because he always seems to just get a little bit of depth through it. And it it often happens just through just little conversations and things. So 
getting him involved, getting Chris Pine, who I think was extremely underrated for quite some time, seems to be getting a bit of his sort of dues now. And you got Rosario Dawson as well, holding down a, a, quite a few scenes there. I think mm-hmm. it just it just holds up really well. Um, there's a couple of little things that I, I'm not so not so big on. It's it's funny to say it possibly wraps up a little bit too quickly. Like if it, it seems to, a couple of the complications seem like they're going to be a little bit heftier, and then when they actually figure it out towards the end, it seems to go mm-hmm. pretty quick. But yeah. pretty minor complaints, really. It's yeah, excellent, excellent film that is just. Pardon the pun, but it's just fucking rolling from the get go. It's just it's just rocking yeah. along like a steam train from from minute one, basically. Yeah, and yeah, what, Jared? Hundred minutes. Not even. Hundred minutes long. Not even. I, I think, think it's it ninety eight. It's just shy, and then obviously you <laughs> account for the credits. Yeah, so yeah, Wonder Woman. And, and, and yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. Fu- it's pretty fucking dense too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's a fair bit going on, yep. and they managed to get it get it happen in ninety eight minutes. Which makes sense because they're trying to kind of put the clock on it um, from the start, and and you spot on. You know, it it's it starts rolling from the get go, and look, I'm probably in the four range as well. Uh, I, I unlike you, I had seen it since the cinema, and I always really liked it. I, I thought it was one of Tony Scott's best. You know, Tony Scott, I was, I was, I'm a massive fan of Tony Scott's work, but he sort of had peaks and troughs, you know. He kind of had some really, really good stuff, but then he had some really real shit. I mean, I, you know, Domino, I don't know if you ever saw that one. No, I steered well that clear was, of that. That was fucking garbage. Whereas Man on Fire was just before that, you know. Like, he was kind of one of those guys who, and Pelham 1, 2, 3 wasn't great, you know, so this was kind of like a. I think this might have been his last film. It was, Is that not yeah, correct. Yep, yeah. Well, it's fucking sad to think because it's a real winner to go out on. Yeah, look, it's it's a real solid thriller with some action beats. I mean, the premise seems ludicrous, uh, and it's not a. It's kind of a dislike, but and I know that it, the how the train got under power seems legitimate. I believe based on the. True events, yeah. But um, even when you see it, you kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah, look, I think I can, I think I can pinpoint that, and I'll, I'll talk about that in the dislikes because I've got a big yeah. one around that. So. But Tony Scott directs it really, really well. He kind of knocks off a little bit of his over-the-top directing stuff, and it's just a nicely streamlined thriller. And you're right, Denzel and Chris Pine have a couple of scenes where it's just. They're only like two minutes where they're sort of having a quick discussion or they're bringing up some shit, but it fucking fits perfectly to what you're trying to get, you know, and it gives you character development in like two minutes, which some of these movies could learn from. Hmm. But it's a real winner for me. My only dislike, I have a major dislike. I've got a couple of minor dislikes, but I have a major dislike that revolves more around the kind of bureaucratic villain yeah. That they have. Yep. I understand why he's there and his presence necessitates some of the complications at a certain at certain times. But yeah, I was just kinda like, I don't know I don't know whether we really needed him. Hmm. He he sucks up some screen time that we probably didn't need. We could have gone a different way, perhaps. I'll talk about it in the dislikes though. Right. Straight off the bat, excellent cast. Yeah, absolutely. Across the board. Yeah, and two really likable 
leads, excellent actors. Rosario Dawson in the in the main supporting role again, very likable actor, just really real quality. And most of the role, most of the people in those roles are filling things out beautifully. Could have done without TJ Miller. I mean, every time I see that bloke now, I just think, fuck. Every time you hear something about him, he's a bigger asshole than he was before. So, yeah. <laughs> so every time I see him in a movie now, I'm just like, oh shit. But yeah. I've forgotten he was in it. But other than that, yeah, pretty pretty great. Yeah, I almost forgot of. he was in it too. I yeah. mean, he's barely, he's really barely in it. Yeah, but playing, but, playing oh. to, uh, you know, playing to type by the looks. Yeah. <laughs> My favourite character is fucking Ned. Oh, he's great. He's, <laughs> he's great. fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's rocking around like some sort of fucking guy who just rolled out of Studio 54. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's I mean, I love the, his intro well, where he's talking to the waitress and she's just like, yep, yep. It's about yeah, precision. Cool. <laughs> 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 I also love when he rocks up. And he holds his pass, and they're like, it says you're a welder. And he's like, lead welder. (laughs) But also, he gets the call that there's something going on. He fucking drives out of the car park like he's he's in the fucking Dukes of Hazzard. And then he gets down there, and when those other two turn up, he just starts fucking heaping shit on them. Yeah. He just starts heaping shit on them for minute one. Well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah. But he kind of disappears too for a period. I mean, if you lack that character, you miss a bit of what's going on at the stations. So I think yeah. it was a really smart choice just to have him there and reporting on what's going on and interacting with the cops at the at the stations and and shit like that. Yeah, thought- and he he he's not he doesn't need to be a key contributor all through the film. He only needs to be contributing when we need him. Yeah, and that's why. One of my dislikes I will talk about is it does seem to be very heavily stuffed with characters. It's very, very heavy on characters. There's a lot of them. Mm. But for the most part, that doesn't affect it greatly because they cut around all that. They move character to character when they need them to be an important contributor. For the most part, that works. But the character, like the, the actors are all excellent. I think Tony Scott's direction is. Really, really good here. Yeah. And the editing involved is fantastic. The way they cut the the news footage in. Yeah. And he actually does yeah, something similar to seamless. He does something similar to Top Gun, where, you know, we talked yeah. about how Top Gun considering that what was going on, it was really easy to tell what was going on in the sky when that could have just been fucking mm-hmm. just been looking at it going, Shit, I can't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. The trains, they just do really simple things like make one of the trains red, one of the trains blue. So as soon as you see yeah. the train, you know which which train you're looking at. Like really simple stuff like that, that just makes it so much clearer when you're watching it that this is what's going on. I think he made made quite a few and nifty choices usually, in that sort of stuff. I usually don't like this type of film, this type of filmmaking in in the sense of he does a lot of to sort of keep the action and the tension going. He circles the the he circles the um the cab. Like the camera's constantly kind of circling the cab Hmm. and you're getting Denzel with his head out the window or he's on the radio and the window's open and then we circle around and Chris Pine sort of picks up the conversation. He circles the cab a lot. And initially, yeah, something like that, I think of Michael Bay in that fucking terrible scene in Bad Boys 2 where he's circling through the toilet block. (laughs) And I think this stuff sucks. (laughs) Like this kind of shit sucks. But in this case... 
it works because you've got to keep some kind of momentum. When you're sitting in the train, it, it's kind of boring if we did nothing, if we didn't give it some flair and some flash because the whole movie is, is on this kind of like, it's like a roller coaster. It's just off off at a shot from minute one and you're trying to sort of keep ramp it out the whole way. Mm. So you kind of need to throw in a little bit of that flourish and that's where he does it and he does it well. The, the, the camera work is really good in those sequences and it kind of adds a little bit of that sort of suspense to it. Yeah. So I like that, and I think he does a really, really good job. And the key thing for me, it's, it's strange to, to, to say this because I don't really look this deeply at this sort of stuff, but the sound design with the train, it sounds like it's fucking growling. You know, every time they get close to it, it's got this loud sort of rumble and growl about it. It kind of gives it almost like a fucking bit of character. Mm. I really dug that. I think that was a really cool. And the way they, when you first, the first shots of the movie is a train in the, in its spot. Yeah. You know, it hasn't moved yet. And they kind of, as, as it comes up with Unstoppable, you just hear this kind of, you know, it's like, I thought that was a really cool little thing to add. Yeah. Well, it's a bit um, like, you know, you get a bit well. of, it's a bit, it's, it's little touches like that. Yeah, I'll look at something like Jewel. Steven Spielberg yeah. did the similar things like that. And he did, Similar things that he did with the shark in Jaws, like it's it's mm. it's all it all plays together, you know, which is why mm. I think that's that sort of stuff is one of the reasons why it plays a bit like an action movie. Yeah, they kind of sort of soup it up a little bit when yeah. it's more of a sort of a thriller slash disaster film, somewhat. Mm. I really like the opening credits. It's wham bam, kind of get you. Quick understanding of where Chris Pine's at. As we said, there's a few movies out there that could learn some lessons. It's it's fucking in less than three minutes with no dialogue, we pretty much understand that Pine is out of his home, living with someone else, and not able to see his son. Not able to see his child. You you kind of get that pretty easily from that yeah. opening couple of minutes, and then in less than five minutes. We can see there's a bit of tension regarding the fucking union situation at the trains, the, the train yep. um, depot. Old guys, young guys. Yeah. His first um, name gets him jobs. Yeah, but you get the sense that Denzel's cordial enough that he's going to, you know, he, he's he's going to go sort of past that but also hold him to a standard when when he needs to. You get all that stuff pretty quickly. And you, mm. you sort of, okay, well, how's this going to play out? It just adds that little bit rather than two blokes just – Rocking up and saying, "Hey, we're on a train together. Off we go!" Like just yeah. that little bit of complication within the cab, as you mentioned. It's it's sort of it helps the film immensely. Yeah, and I love the fact that Denzel actually brings it up that your surname gets you a job. You know, it takes a while, but they pace it nicely about when they bring that shit up. Prime takes offence to that sort of shit and starts saying, "You know, I'll write you up and all that." Yeah. And, he, and and then you know, you know it's fifteen minutes. It's it's a it's under the fifteen minute mark before the train's off. Yeah, and, and we're fact, into it. The train starts rolling during that opening credits, doesn't it? I believe they start getting things together. They start putting together that they've got to move this train and whatever. But yeah, it's certainly under the fifteen minute mark when they when fucking Ethan Supley jumps out of the cab and and yeah. off we go. So. In 15 minutes, we have set the, the, the train on the tracks. We've put the two, you know, our two heroes in the train together. 
but there's some simmering tension. Yeah, we've, a little bit of a standoff. Know, we've understood why. Yeah, and then we've got we've got Pine on the phone trying to deal with his problems. Denzel on his phone trying to make up with his daughter because he's got her birthday, and we yeah. kind of get all those all that shit in there, and it's all these little small sequences that don't take a lot of time, but they're done really kind of, you know, they pared them down perfectly yeah. to exactly what you need. Yep. And, you know, speaking the of that, these there's a particular one early on, and I think it's, if I recall correctly, it's after they've already had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a tension about how they're going to how they're going to do things here. I think it yeah. might be Denzel telling Pine to get off the phone and let's get moving or whatever. But then they you know, I love absolutely love the conversation that that brings up, you know, you're married and Pine says oh, it's sort of a long story and Denzel's like we got a long day and starts kind of bringing yeah. up that conversation and then goes into the ice breaking stuff about his daughters working at Hooters. Hooters I mean, it's yeah. fucking fantastic. It's so good and it again, it illustrates the character of yeah, okay, there is some tension here, but the guy is still trying to make this work, which has an even bigger payoff later. But he's, he's yeah. holding Pine to a standard, making sure he's good enough to do the job and that he can do the job, and, you know, expresses to him at points, you know, it's, it's not training. It's just fucking life and death that, that, yeah, you know, yeah. if we do some of this shit wrong. But he's still sitting there like, right, we've got some time here. Let's get to know each other. Yeah. And I, I love the whole idea of where he turns the he turns the train on the yeah you know, the little gimbal thing and realises he's turned it the wrong way. And it's kind of once again showcasing the old head and the young guy who's kind of not really doesn't really know what's going on. And he tries to kind of blow it off by saying, you know, I and the same thing happens when he picks up five extra cars. Yeah. He tries to sort of blow him off by saying, well, if you would just fucking give me five seconds to think, you know, I could have done it. But it's because he's on the phone and shit. And he's, yeah, yeah. I know. mean, there's mental stress for his character that's playing into it that Denzel doesn't know about. But then yeah. there's also, you know, that, that creates tension. He's blaming Frank's, you know, he's blaming Frank for the issues when it's, you know, there's mental stress there. And Frank ends up, you know, getting to that yeah. and uncovering a little bit of that. But it's it's nice the way that it all plays out. It's it's compelling to watch these two guys sort of get going in scenes that really are they don't hold a hell of a lot to the plot. There's a couple that that add to complications along the way, but mm. you know, in a lesser movie, they could just be palmed off with shitty conversation that doesn't actually uncover much about them. Well, that's that's what I liked about it. Even though that that didn't have necessary payoff to the outcome of the film it just it felt natural it felt real it dug into some of the things we'd already sort of touched on at the start and it was really really well acted like that's that's part and parcel of this kind of stuff is you get two really good actors in the same place with a reasonably written stuff they'll work with it and it it seems like that's sort of what's going on Mm. Uh, and it, it comes off perfectly um, for the most part, there's not really a dud scene between those two. No, I don't think so. I really like the sequence, and I've forgotten about this. They use it in the trailer, and it's not really a big deal. The whole thing about the school kids, yeah, on the line. Yep, it's not really a big deal. In the trailer, it makes out like that's going to be one of the things the train's going to have a head on with this other train. Yeah, and it's out of the but way pretty the, early, really. Yeah, it's it's out in the first... I mean, the, the train hasn't even got up to full pelt by the time that's out of the way. 
But I love the way that shot where they sh- he shoots this shoots the conductor looking all fucking worried, and then the next shot is straight down the down the bloody railway line directly at the the train coming towards them. And you think for a second, fuck, they're going to get hit, and then they slip into the siding. Yeah. And the kids kind of get all excited because the train rushes past. It's kind of like, yeah, for a well, second like there, I've forgotten there, all right? about this. It's like they they were already there, but the way they've shot it is that yeah. it's just like, yeah, it just, just goes past. That all follows up some really, again, setting things up really quickly of Rosario Dawson in the office and then Ned trying to switch the track and keep an eye on the train and then the kids come into it. It's yeah. all just so – it's all so quick. And as you said, it's tense because it's – I mean, the, the fucking story is rocketing along like the train is. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's really again once again really really well shot. It's the per- it's it's one of those films where there's plenty of obstacles that can be in the way, and they're used pretty well. You know, like hmm. usually in a lot of these movies, there's 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 one to one or two too many obstacles, or a couple where you kind of like, oh fuck, it's just yeah, you know, we're getting out of hand. Yeah, but for the most part, they kind of set the tone that these are the things you would do. If you if this was happening, yeah, you know, you, you, there are certain things that we would have to do. Mm-hmm. So first, we try and chase the chase the train down and get on it. Then we try and drop someone on it to get in the cab. Then we try and derail it. We try and shoot that the emergency stop. You know, there it all feels legit. Yeah, you know, and I'm assuming it probably is. It's all protocols that you would supposedly go through if this happened. I also think they're quite smart with. The fact that for the early complications that Frank's involved in, he mm. calls it. He knows yeah. this isn't going to work. He says we can't go into the siding because we've got too many carriages. He says yep. that, that the, um, the derail the is not going to work. work. And so when they actually get to the train and he's not confident, you're like, okay, they're in, this is where the, the shit's going to hit the fan. Because yeah. everything else, he's pretty confident. He knows what he's talking about and has been proven correct. So then when the parts where they get there and he's not sure and is, you know, yeah. it has a, has a little bit of a um, isn't entirely sure about what he's being told by the, the I can't even remember what his title is, but the, the rail agent that's in the office with Rosario Dawson to, yeah. to alternate the accelerator and the, the brake or whatever he's, he's talking about. When he's unsure about that, that's when you start to get a little tense and you're like, oh, okay, this is where we're going to get the twists and turns about how it's going to go down. Yeah, and I really, really like that. I think they do a fantastic job of of, of just ramping it up slowly and steadily that we're coming into that final bend where the thing's going to just come off. Yeah. You know, like if you go in too fast, we're fucked. There's nothing else you can do about it. We're screwed. Uh, and you know, adding the chemicals. Look, it's, that's probably a little bit too far. Not too far, but it's another sort of complication that's there. But it never becomes anything more than. Well, it's only really for the last one, right? Chemicals on there. Yeah, it's yeah. only really for the last one. It's like they missed their chance to derail it when people weren't around. So if they derail it now and those chemicals go off, they're fucked. And if they don't stop it by the bend. They're, they're completely fucked. So yeah, yeah, it's exactly. sort of just to add to that that yeah, this shit's going to blow up. So yeah, it was. I was okay with that, but as you said, it was just kind of there. It was just there to as as hovering over everything they were trying to do. I was a big fan of the payoff about Frank already being given his notice. 
Yes. Um, and it's a it's a nice piece of writing because it's one of those things where you're like, well, I should have I should have got that, but I was just hooked up in everything <laughs> yeah. else. I was just yeah. I was just hooked up in everything else that this shouldn't be a surprise, but when it happens, you're still like, oh shit. <laughs> so I really love that little payoff and about he's just like, well, I'm not. I'm not listening to you because there's people that need to be saved and my job doesn't mean shit because you fucking care that anyway. So yeah, this is how it's going to play out. And it also adds the layer to that character that he's going out of his way to teach this kid the ropes. Yeah, he's being hard on him, but he's going out of his way to teach this this kid the ropes when he doesn't have any fucking skin in the game anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. he could just already been fired. Yeah, he could just be turning up, and so it, it 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 adds to the character of the the man, you know. Yeah, yeah, I dig that. I really dig that. Uh, and and again, I'm like you. I, it's almost a, it was a surprise to me the first time I saw it, but yet it shouldn't have been. Yeah, that's We'd right. Already t- they'd already talked about it at the start. With yeah, Frank. Well, they were talking about the situation, but just because he didn't mention it, and he was still yeah. there, you're just like, oh, okay. So it's just going to be a bit of tension. You don't. It's just good writing, I think, that you don't automatically say, yep. He's already been fired. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I really like the sequence where they try and put the guy on the top of the train and yeah. they try and slow it down with the train in front. Mm-hmm. It's fucking really, really well directed. In a time where we do a lot of quick cuts, and there are a lot of quick cuts in it, but we, it's the, the editing and everything, it's, you, we know exactly where everything is. We know exactly what's happening. The tension's fucking ramped up to the max because old mate hits the ground and gets fucking yanked through the window <laughs> two seconds after touching down. Yep. And then suddenly we've got the other guy trying to slow the train down himself with his train. And, of course, then it ends with, you know, as only Tony Scott can, something exploding. <laughs> something, a massive explosion. <laughs> yep. I mean, other than Craig Baxley... <laughs> Tony was a fan of similar, similar types of stuff, mm-hmm. but it's a really, really well directed scene and really well edited. Yeah, I, I thought that was, uh, yeah, that was quite nice as well. I, I just, again, pretty exciting stuff. As you said, it was mainly the sort of direction and that was keeping it tense and and uh, making it more than just another thing that the train had to go through that they had to go through to try and stop the train. Mm. Yeah, I dug that. But I also then, not long after that, we get... I love the way Denzel plays this too when they say who 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 was in the cab of the other train. And they mention it's the bloke that he was sitting with. And just for a split second, you kind of see his face and he's fucking... He just looks fucking distraught. And then he kind of gets back into it because he realises, you know... Bigger fish, lot, you know, lot at stake. Yeah, sort of thing. So it's again, it's just you know, Denzel is uh, fucking finest. Bigger, bigger fish to fry might be the might not be the best choice of words there. <laughs> no, 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 perhaps not. No, like he was. Yeah. Glad you caught yourself on that one. <laughs> I caught myself on that one. But yeah, there are bigger issues at stake. Even though his mate has just died. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and he just plays it really well. It's only a split second, but it just shows you know. Again, this is why I love Denzel. He never phones this shit in. No. Like, this sort of movie would have been the kind of thing that an, an action star of previous, you know, a major action star would have phoned in because the whole the whole action part of it is the train barreling through everything. Most of the those action stars 
on their best day couldn't muster what Denzel could when he's had a fucking stumble out of bed with a fucking hangover and doesn't want to be at work, <laughs> he's still he's still giving you better, probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the that's the luxury of having a bloke like that in a movie like this. But again, yeah. I mean, I think we're talking about it, saying it's more than just just a by the numbers action film. Yeah, correct. And I think that's sort of showcased by when Will tells his story about what's been going on with him. And I think, I mean, all this stuff fits other than the situation is we have to stop a runaway train rather than there's a cackling villain and a bunch of henchmen. Other than that, all the the stuff fits that mould. Hmm. Agreed. And that's why you 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 you're right when saying it's it it plays like an action film, but it's not really an action film. Yeah. In the sense of the heroes aren't you know shooting people and doing all that sort of shit. Yeah, but other than that, you know, they're they're, they're the guys in the you know the wrong place at the wrong time. There's the old mm. head and the young buck, and the, you know the the they're biting heads over certain things. There's those scenes when they're. You know, people are in danger, and there's the scenes where they're running on the trains and stuff like that. It's, there's all the little, there's all these little things that fit perfectly in it, but but it's mm. not not quite that. Yeah, because it's got a bit more depth, and that's what I was saying about when Will tells his story. I just like the fact that it's he fucked it all up. Yeah, he's in the wrong. All of it. It's not like in some of these movies. There'd be a sort of a Mia Culpa. I wasn't actually. She, she was having an affair with him, or she was texting him. But I love the fact that he just goes, "Yeah, the kicker was, she wasn't. She was talking to someone else." Yeah, yeah. And That's I'm just right. like, yeah. I mean, you watch the, you know, you, you, we go back to the last Boy Scout, and Bruce Willis's character seems to be the biggest asshole on the planet, but it's his wife's fault. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're supposed to like him, and his wife is supposed to be. The, the the bad person in this relationship she's having an affair da 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 I mean quite frankly what was his name Joe Hellenbeck <laughs> he yeah, never yeah. comes home and he's, he's he lays in fucking empty tinnies every night yeah no wonder she had an yeah. affair I jumped in the sack with some bloke that didn't smell like a brewery like <laughs> <laughs> can you blame me <laughs> exactly but in this case we like we get to know Will, before we hit you with this. Yeah. So we've worked with him and Denzel. We've found a, you know, we've found this, we found him a kind of a likable presence. We've got a little bit more out of him and we sort of see him as, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a guy and, you know, he's going through a bit of a tough time, but he's a nice enough guy. And then he, he tells the story and basically he acts like a fucking asshole. Yeah. The whole story is, I'm a prick, basically. But yet we already care for him, so we're prepared to let it go in the sense of, yep, okay, that's happened. Now we've got to get back to sorting this out. Mm-hmm. So I like the way they did that. They kind of didn't – they took their time to give us that. I mean, it's an hour old, I think, when he tells that story, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's quite deep into it. But again, I just love the fact that it's his fault. Yeah. And then Denzel just sort of, get, get, you know, there's always a, there's always time to fix this. You know, there's always an opportunity to fix it. Hmm. And so I like that. You know, it's just kind of a little bit of wisdom from the old fella. Not just about trains. 
you know, about life, so to speak. Yeah. What else have we got here? I think the last 30 minutes is where it really sort of crackles after we get past trying to derail it. Yeah, it, it starts really to... kind of comes home with a flourish, you know? Yep. And all that stuff where they have to get out onto the train and, uh, I mean, I really like that sequence where the grain, is it grain? Yeah, yeah, it's the grain. Well, it's past that, you and know, it's past, as you said, Denzel's already said the things like there's still time and that's yeah. that's kind of applies to the train as well. You know, he's talking about his life, but then that's the point where everyone's all on board. You know, it's it's again, pardon the pun. I seem to be coming out with him fairly regularly, but but they're yeah. all they're all they're all um in, and they're all doing what they need to do. And that's where, as yeah, it does crackle. It's it's sort of we've done away with the conversations. We'll leave that to sort of Rosario Dawson to sort of talk about where we are and and let us know the situation. And then those two, Frank and Will, will will get into trying to actually. Stop the train. Maybe that's why it feels so quick. Yeah, you know, while the ending kind of comes about so quickly. Yeah, it does. Because we've it, done away with all that and it's just racing towards the end. Yeah. I mean, I said it felt quick, but when you when you look at it, it's probably a good sort of 20 minutes of, of runtime where that yeah. stuff's going on. So, yeah, it is, it is super exciting. I mean, I did have to laugh. I do like the grain scene, but I'm like, rather than someone, rather than someone shooting at him or something like that, a bit of yeah. grain starts blowing in his face. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. that's what we're dealing with. But I do like the fact that he, the way they shoot the scene where he kind of trips and falls down in between them, mm. and for a split second you think he's gone, and they, you know, they kind of shoot it. They cut away for a second, they cut back, and it looks like he's gone. Yeah, and the grain and stuff means you can't really see him anyway. Yeah. I really like that. It's a, you know, real, and they do it quickly. Like they do it, it's shot in 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 proper speed. So you don't like it doesn't go suddenly into slow mo where he goes, <laughs> yeah, that type of thing. It just yeah. happens suddenly, and you kind of like fuck, you know, and it, you think he might have died, you know. So it's I like that. It was just really nice. It's a wrinkle, and you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't sort of. Involve guns and punch ups and things like that, but it's an it's a sort of action esque wrinkle that kind of gets added, and I like that. Yeah, and he gets injured too, so that then puts Denzel back on. Yeah, having to get out there. Yep. I also love Denzel saying, "Out, yeah, don't take this shoe off. Just chuck this on it. Just put a bit yeah, of tape on it. She'll be right." <laughs> Your toes hanging off. Just tape it back on. Yeah. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> the last, my last two was because going right into that. The, the finale is just all the way, like including hitting the the bend and it's all tense about how fast the thing's going and all that kind of stuff. But I love the fact that Ned pulls up next to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then proceeds to call him a fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and right. Jumping into the cab. True to character. <laughs> I mean, my foot's, on, my foot's hanging off, but <laughs> I'm a pussy for not jumping off the train. That's. Yeah. That's moving it. A, a train moving at fucking thirty miles an hour, yeah. and if I slip, I go under it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. And I then, was glad that Ned found his way into that. Yeah, and I love the final sequence where he is just holding court. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> They're right. They're on the mic going, oh, "Yeah, it's all about precision." So how'd you <laughs> feel out there? I felt like I was in my comfort zone. <laughs> Yeah, and then it was the bike good. just goes, all right, right, yeah, yeah, thanks, Ned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also like 
Again, classic Denzel when Rosario Dawson rocks up and goes, I'm looking for Frank and Will or whatever. I'm trying to figure out which one I'm going to kiss first. And Denzel just looks at her and is like, me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I love it. Classic stuff. And, and I love the fact that it kind of ends. It doesn't drag on. No, it's pretty um, pretty quick. It's only a couple of minutes and then we're into the... Am I to assume that that's the same day? No, it's not the same day. Well, it? it looked to me like it wasn't the same day because Ned was in a suit. The other guys were wearing different clothes. The girls yeah, were there. And Will's foot was all um, properly bandaged up. And, yeah, so and I thought it was booted. another. I, I thought it was another day. Mm. Hard to tell. Yeah. Did you have any other likes? No, that was it for me. That I forgot. All right, dislikes. I don't have a lot of huge ones. I have one big one. Yeah, I, I only had I one one that I would say is big. I had a very minor one right at the start, the almost the very first thing. Yeah. I know Tony Scott's got his little directorial sort of hallmarks and his little touches. I didn't feel like we needed that strobe effect when we're looking at a fucking stationary train. Yes. <laughs> I was just like... Initially, I was thinking, fuck, Tony's gone back to his old tricks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's immediately off to the old tricks. Yep. So I was, I was immediately, uh, I was looking at it going, oh, shit, did I, you know, did I watch this and just miss the fact that it, everything looks like man on fire but in a, in a train yeah. yard? I was glad that it was, it was really only that that I looked at and went, oh, Christ, did we need it? <laughs> everything else, yeah, I think exactly. he played his hand fairly well. Yes, agreed. Now, although I understand that, how that train got under power is mm-hmm. pretty much the truth. If I'm not mistaken, the legit the one that actually did happen happened in a similar manner. Yep. That what then is what's shown on screen. But I mean, just watching it, I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you 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 you're not fucking Usain Bolt. Like yeah. you're a fat dumpy dude. Like you, why would you get out of the cab? Right? And yep. if you do get out of it, aren't you putting on a sprint immediately? Well, see, the thing for me, this my huge dislike actually plays into exactly the same thing, and it really is that they go overboard to make Ethan Suppley and TJ Miller just look like absolute ass clowns, like the yeah. whole time. They're fucking not fit to be doing any job, the pair of exactly. them. Exactly. They're fucking they're just cutting corners left and right. And I understand that, yeah, that there is people that would be doing that, that they're cutting the corners and, and, and are not competent at what they're doing. But you feel like these two, the way that they're portrayed in the movie, they've done this shit a few times. They've fucked up the little jobs so they wouldn't have the big job. Yeah. And I know that TJ Miller kind of says to him, don't get out of the cab. Like, don't get out of the cab. But... Even then, it doesn't take away from the fact that they've spent the last, like, five minutes just yeah. fucking grab arson and fucking around. But and, then you look at T.J. Miller after that, when he's in the fucking, in that, that, I don't even know, I can't remember what they call it, but it's like the ute thing on the train tracks. Yeah. And he's sitting there with, with Ned fucking hanging out the window, giving him the bird and calling him yeah, names yeah. and shit. And it's like, mate, you're the one that fucked this up. Like, you pair sitting in there are, the, are responsible. So you should exactly. cop an earful, and you'll be copping plenty more when you when you get back there. You know, they, I, I felt like at they could point, have just played at, it with a little bit of that, 
but not necessarily just been such bozos. They could have just been, I don't know, the pair of them could have just been cocky hot shots and, and fucked it up. Maybe like, you know what? You didn't even need to be cocky. You could have just simply been that the reason he got out of the cab seemed kind of plausible, I guess. Well, it was just they were under time pressure. Yeah. They didn't do everything that they needed to do, but I just felt the way that they, they, they played the two characters, it just felt a little off. And, I mean, and you're right. it's never worse. It is never worse than when they put Ethan Suppley's picture on yeah, the news. <laughs> and, honestly, it looked like... I mean, it was like a live-action version of fucking Homer Simpson blowing up the <laughs> nuclear power plant and Kent Brockman talking about, ah, oh, it was Homer Simpson uh, you know, <laughs> causing the nuclear meltdowns. And I, I was looking at it going, it's, it said, that's essentially what it is. I mean, the picture yeah. they took of him, he was looking mopey and stupid. <laughs> I just, I didn't, I didn't feel like we needed that. <laughs> Yeah, and the worst thing about the TJ Miller scene where he's sticking the finger up at Ned and calling him a dickhead and everything is at this stage we just realise the train's fucking at full speed. Yeah. So it's not just a coaster, it's going. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my, if I if it's me, I'm packing my fucking locker and getting out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm saying, yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you later. I've just uh, I've just got a little a little job to do. <laughs> Taking off. I'm not chasing the train. I'm I'm, exactly. moving, I, I'm crossing the state lines before you can fucking figure out that it was me. <laughs> they also did a little bit of that with the bloke that rams the horses. Like, yeah, that could have been anyone. You didn't need it to be. A bloke that looked like Willie Nelson listening to music, <laughs> listening to some hillbilly music that's going. <laughs> it didn't have to be him. It could have been anyone. <laughs> could have been anyone uh, yeah, looking right, at the yeah. radio that ran up the back of that horse. I just that yeah. that that fell in the same category for me. It just sort of they were kind of they were two sort of stereotypical characterizations which was weird because they'd done a pretty good job of characterizing the other the other big name characters in the film well yeah so then they just i know that they're only small parts but you know you just just had to dial it down a touch um and the same goes for my biggest dislike is is galvin the political side of it and the the money side of it and him almost being like the villain. And I know why he's there because things take certain turns because of his interference. Yeah. They decide to use the derailer. They decide to put the bloke on top of the train and, and try and slow it down. It's his decision-making. Yeah. And it's that whole idea of don't I'm not listening to anyone else. Yeah, I felt like but, there was a particular scene too where – Rosario Dawson is is kind of surprised that it's Galvin that's made the call. So yeah. I felt like if he's not yelling like the fucking bloke from Die Hard, <laughs> his name escapes me for the moment, Dwayne T. Uh, T. Robinson. Dwayne T. Robinson. If he's not yelling like that from minute one when he's trying to gather the information and putting people down, like, you know, he's in a position of power. Um, but it feels like if if she finds that out, and he's been more open to receiving her information earlier, it feels like a bit of a betrayal. Mm. But where we find out, and she says, yeah, you, they're using the derailer? You know, I suggested that when you find out that it's him, when he dismissed the plan and started screaming and yelling from the start, I feel like if he had been a bit more open and there was a bit more back and forth, but he just shut it down quickly, 
and then does it later on, it feels like a bit mm. more of a betrayal. And then you can probably roll into him screaming like an asshole and doing what he needs to be doing. But yeah, again, it feels like one of those characters that's a little bit necessary to to put. Yeah, like, because you can't. The, the train I agree can't that you kind of have to have him. The train can't necessarily be the only complication. There's got to be no. the, the drama between people. Um, but, but yeah, I feel, need... I feel right. I, I feel feel like you're right. It, it, it needed to be a little more um, balanced than what it was. Yeah, in a way, they, they, they may have been able to write around his character if you if you didn't want him there, like you know. Rosario Dawson's making the calls and the derailleur just doesn't work or whatever. Yeah, you know, but again, like, she's working hand in hand with them, so there's no drama between her exactly. and Frank and everyone. So, so you need her to be on Frank and Will's side and that, and you need to have a, a, somebody against them, which is Galvin. Plus, he plays into the conversation on the radio where um, Frank says he's been fired well, I actually and I'm not doing it for you. Yeah, I actually uh, felt the one that was a little bit superfluous was the, the agent. I mean, in the yeah, end, he's yeah. the one that knows about the chemicals and then suggests they do a little bit of braking and accelerate. Other than that, he's just fucking floating around. Exactly. So, like, could he be? Could, could that knowledge not have been rolled in? I mean, well, couldn't, couldn't that have been, couldn't have been, given by the? Couldn't we, couldn't we have had Ned? Couldn't we have had Ned saying, "What do you mean? It's that that sort of shit." And then everyone goes, "You know about that?" And then Ned starts talking about the chemicals. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In fact, that would have played right into Ned because he was sort of, sort of this cocksure, know everything sort of dude. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, I just um. He he kind of got nothing to do. The information could have been, you know, the the start, you know, the you know acceleration deceleration thing could have been come from the guy who's with the headset. Mm. He could have been a you know he's a rail guy. Yeah, he's just working comms. There were ways to cut that guy out. I think looking at it now, you still need Galvin, but there were ways to make his role less, in, like small it down a little bit and make it key, yeah. just some key points where we needed him. That shit where he rings the fucking bloke on the golf course about how much money it's going to cost, I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't give a fuck about this. Get Get rid of it. Yeah. It's not not important. We know that Galvin well, is a, you already is had a the, company man. You already had the other guy telling him about the financials, right? So Galvin yeah. could have just been fucking making that call with him. Yes. He could have just been we, saying... We know that yes. Galvin's a company man. Yeah. And financials is going to be important. Yeah. We know that because he's a company guy. We don't need to go into the politics and the cost of it because who gives a shit? This mm. train's out of control. No matter how you slice it, we're losing money. The whole thing looks fucking bad. So just there was ways to perhaps kind of close up Galvin's involvement to the key pieces, e.g. the derailleur and the decision to put those guys, try and drop them on the train, which ends in fiery mayhem. Hmm. And it, it means that Denzel can say that you've already fired me. Yeah, that's right. Galvin didn't need to be the biggest prick in the world either. No, I, I, I think it should have been a bit more balanced. I felt like yeah. Rosario Dawson feeling like Galvin had her back and then being betrayed when she finds out that he is doing the derailing, I, I thought that might have worked a little, be- a little better. And he could have even said, that's where you could have said, look, this is what the people who own the fucking company want to do. Yeah, that's right. 
It's not my decision, it's theirs. That's where you can just roll in the whole money politics thing for a split second. Because, mm. you know, it's a conglomerate that runs the railway, railway, which is what these things are, you know? Yep. There are, there just seems to be a lot of characters, and you just pointed out our mate, the safety guy. We didn't really need him. Ned disappears for periods, you know, and characters come and go. It's a little bit heavily stuffed. About the hour mark, I'm sitting there going, Christ, we've got fucking people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're trying to find a, a small snippet of each one. And we even, lose, we even lose some time in the cab with Will and Frank. Yeah, that's right. Because we've got so many other players. So just a, perhaps a little streamlining there. Again, getting rid of the safety guy and bringing down Galvin's role would have given you those extra minutes to perhaps, you know, reassess everything. Mm-hmm. But look, wasn't, it wasn't too big a deal because I still knew where they were all at. Yeah. And that's the key positive to it is you know where these guys are all at. Yeah, and it's pretty well spread out amongst the characters that you want to be with for the most part. Mm. Exactly. I've got nothing. I, I really like the, the idea of the news reports because that's what we would do today. You know, yeah. in today's society, that is how this stuff would be covered. Yeah. 24-7. I mean, fuck, look at COVID. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You turn on the bloody 24-7 news cycle and it was fucking COVID, 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 COVID. It was just constant. But I just feel they do lean a little bit on that for exposition a touch too heavily about halfway through. Yeah. You get a lot of news reports. A little bit. And it seems to, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> and, doing it and, yeah, quickly. Like an Ethan Soupley's mugshot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ken Brockman talking about it. Ethan Soupley's <laughs> I mean, I think this movie is why that bloke is now ripped like a fucking. He's built like a brick shit house because he's fucking. Yeah. He saw how he was he's portrayed thinking, in this movie and said, "Fuck that." Shit. I'm not yeah, Homer I Simpson. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like they do lean a little bit too much on it for exposition at key points. Mm. It just feels a little bit too much. We're cutting around between news stations. Yep. And not going to a character. You know, we don't get to see much of the characters in that little period where they're just sort of showcasing the new stuff all over. Yeah. My only other dislike, and I just find this amusing, only Tony Scott or Craig Baxley, Ned's getting a, 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 a police escort. Yep. But we've got to flip a couple of cop cars. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, a couple of them are going to crash into each other, flip one over, and there's got to be fucking 25 cars behind him. <laughs> it's like, Tony, shit. <laughs> He's getting an escort. It's not a fucking, it's not a fucking demolition derby, mate. Yeah, we, don't, yeah. we don't, didn't need that. Look, that massive train rolling along. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty scary on its own. We didn't need, yeah, we didn't need cars banging into each other and fucking, you know, adding that little layer that, again, it's just there for two seconds of, oh, shit, and then we go on to something else. Like, <laughs> Yeah, agreed. That was it for me. Yeah, that was me you? covered as well. Anything My else? major one was really the, the stuff that I mentioned about the, the uh, characterizations there in a couple of instances. Yeah. 
Overall, definitely a four out of five. That is unstoppable. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. We're on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia and at Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. Don't forget to rate and review us. We're also on Instagram at thrillmepodcastau. Keep an eye on the Facebook page for details of our next episode. Uh, have a fantastic 2021, if you can, and looking forward to the new year. But until then, take it easy, and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.